Hey everybody, welcome Highfalutin Ski Bump Podcast, episode number 79. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's going on? I'm doing good, tired, but recuperating after a nice weekend in Utah. Yeah, we are back from our trip to Utah, so we did not podcast last week because we were too busy both avoiding rain and also shredding fresh pow. So Fresh pow is so sweet. Sorry sorry guys, we didn't mean to let you down, but we were out kicking kicking it we were so uh we will get into that a little bit later but we want to thank you guys first so much for listening please check us out at skibumpodcast.com you can send us an email skibumpodcast at gmail.com also hit us up on social media twitter.com slash skibumpodcast facebook.com slash skibumpodcast instagram.com slash skibumpodcast soundcloud.com slash skibumpodcast or check us out on pinterest as the highfalutins and if you could, go to your favorite podcast app and please rate us. Uh, that would really help us out a lot. So thank you very much. Speaking of which, I believe you just put a nice uh, Stitcher link to link and rate us on Stitcher. Yeah, if you go to the website, skibumpodcast.com, on the homepage, there should be a link to uh, what you need to do to rate us. Because I know on iTunes, it's a little bit convoluted and it's not exactly... Self-explanatory, so I put a little tutorial on how to do it there and also how to do it on Stitcher. So The iTunes tutorial is great. Yeah, I got photos, I got screenshots. It makes it very easy. So Shout out to my chiropractor, Dr. C. Dr. C, what's up, brother? Um, I had a, he was asking me just that, and now it's on the, on the website. I like it. Yeah, he rated us too, so thank you, Dr. C. He's the man. Good man. Let's uh, kick it off the way we always do. The way we always do. Mm. A little app right today. We got a, a lot of app right today. Mm-hmm. So uh, today we are doing something special. So this is the product of the love child that we had uh, a long time ago, a few weeks ago, before pre-Utah. Um, so we're going back to take it back to a little place in Greensboro, Vermont, Brian. Mm. Where, where, what are we doing today? PBR. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Not. How about the opposite of that? Opposite of Pabst. How about Hill Farmstead? Boom! How about a little Abna? Dropping the Greensboro Vermont on them. Ooh, this is uh, an Imperial IPA, and it is probably one of my top three or four favorite beers on the planet. So one of the treats we had coming back from Utah was Mm. that we forgot about a little growler because we drank a lot of growlers, had a lot of growlers, and there was one tucked away in the back of the fridge that I told Brian, I was like, I think it's time to, to you know, to, we got to kill it because it's not going to last forever. Yeah, and after drinking all that, sorry, Utah, <laughs> shitty beer out there. Oh, my God, it was we, horrible. Uh, we finally come back. You know what? Maybe the mountains aren't as tall, not as much snow, but Vermont, the beer is a thousand times better in Vermont. I got to say, I agree Utah. with you on that. We'll get into that more a little bit later, but yeah. yes, we're uh, we're kicking it with some Abner right now, and it is uh, fantastic. It's got like it's really cloudy looking. It's got like a, a citrusy note. It's a uh, what's it eight eight percent? It's like a ABV? citrus IPA. It's 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 got a lot of citrusy. I don't know if it's the um, like it's got orange be, peels. Like it's just oh, it's got to be the the hops they use, but mm-hmm. it's it's delicious. Mm-hmm. It's well blended. It's not like so it's strong, but doesn't feel or taste strong. It's not like a citrus IPA where you can tell they try to force some citrus on the IPA. It's mm-hmm. just kind of blended in well. And this is what you'll find in a lot of Hill Farmstead, 
like beers. You're like, whether you like them or not, whether you, whether it fits your profile that you're looking for or not, it it just is well blended and just like delicious. It's double dry hopped. Double it delicious. Says, yeah, it's a double IPA. It and uh, it is absolutely delicious. So if you can get your hands on it, do it immediately. It is uh, absolutely delicious. If you can if you can get your hands on somebody that can get your hands on it, that's even better too. Hey, can you trust their hands? You know where they've been. Have they washed? I can trust my hands, but you know they have to trust my hands. Is what According I'm to Beer Advocate, uh-uh. their score, 100. What? 379 reviews, what? 100. Yep. Out, is. Of, out of 200? Out of 90. Whoa. <laughs> it's fucking AP. It's fucking AP. It's AP beer. Damn. It's that good. Damn. Yeah. It's highfalutin beer. It's uh, it's something special. So it's, Once it goes over 100, it's highfalutin. HP. So, yes. It's definitely something special, so good stuff. Nice. All right, so we got a couple of uh, beer-related stories we want to get into, too. So the first one is we found this really sweet Kickstarter campaign that is still currently going on. It's got 12 more days to go, and it's called The Growler Chill. And it's a countertop device that holds three growlers and has three taps. And so these guys, um, I watched the video. Um, you know, they're beer people from South Carolina and they were trying to figure out a way to preserve growlers instead of just throwing them in the fridge and you really can't open them. And as soon as you open them, then they start getting, you know, getting flat. But, uh, these guys have come up with an ingenious product and it keeps, uh, three growlers upside down, carbonated and fresh for up to, um, I think at least a month. And, um, they're offering it on Kickstarter right now. That's nice. I think the cheapest, um... The cheapest one you could get is three seventy nine right now, hmm. which is you know, it's relatively it's not cheap, but it's um it's a really cool product. It looks awesome. If it works as well as they claim it does, it's definitely worth the money. Well, they said like they were trying to raise a hundred and something thousand and one seventy five. They're five thirty eight. So I was like, oh, let's log in. Let's see if we could save them. Yeah, no, they're they're way over that. They're much. crushing it. Yeah, this is a. People are really excited about this. So as excited as we are now, like people are already excited. <laughs> I mean, I was just, because the first thing I could think of is us buying those growlers at Hill Farmstead. Oh. So you come back from J-Peak, you go to Hill Farmstead, you get three growlers, you put it in this bad boy, for a month, you're golden on Hill Farmsteads. You take these, you set up a stand right outside of Hill Farmstead, you got you got a million bucks right there. Why set it up in front of Hill Farmstead? Set it up somewhere else. Charge 15 bucks a pint. You'll do just fine. For fresh PBR? PBR. I'm just saying, it's got to be fresh, good beer. Mm, yeah. So mm. we will post a link on the show notes, and you can check it out. Or just do a search for Growler Chill on Kickstarter. Um, it looks awesome. And uh, I don't know. I uh, I don't really have that sort of scratch available right now. But if I did, I would be all over that. Scratch a scratch. Yeah. And then uh, do you want to do the, uh, <laughs> the other follow-up? I will do the other follow-up, but I'm just saying on that scratch, I would rather... At this point, these guys are going to be in business, mm-hmm. which I love. If we had to save them, I'd say let's let's dive in and, and invest. But I'd say save the extra $300 for your new skis. Just saying. Yeah, that could happen. Just saying. <laughs> you could always get that then. I can justify the skis. <clears throat> I can justify something, uh, another kitchen product. <laughs> That's right. So um, Mont Peculiar, Vermont House... Votes to keep happy hour illegal. So now, this is something that's brand new to us. It, yeah. Like, never would have thought this. Because we've been in Vermont up and down, like, whatever, with this happy hour specials, whatever. So apparently, um, happy hour 
offering discounted alcohol at happy hour is illegal in Vermont. Who knew? I had no idea. Who knew? Because I guess maybe I've, I've been like on the mountain kind of opera skiing and then go to happy hour. So it's kind of the happy hour before the happy hour that you don't realize that you're paying the full amount for beer, but you're getting free food. Well, yeah, like certain places, like one of our favorites up at Killington and Stowe is Sushi Yoshi because they have Yosh. awesome beers on draft. Now, never really thought about it, but they don't have drink specials. Yeah, you buy a beer from three to six and you get a free little basket of wings, but we never thought, oh, that's that's it's not discounted liquor. Recently, which, recently we've had this conversation, mm-hmm. but we were like, well, we're having Hill Farmstead, so maybe that's not discounted. Yeah, that's, you know, maybe there's a reason why. But now it turns maybe the out PBR we thought was, yeah. you know, so that's, that's always cheap. It's always two dollars. <laughs> but yeah, so we we just looked, you know, we saw an article and actually saw it on Twitter, and it says they just voted sixty nine to forty nine against uh, allowing happy hour. So. The law would have changed the state law and allowed bars to offer short-term drink specials. It opened up a Pandora's box because apparently there are 27 states that prohibit some variation of happy hour or drink offers, including Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Connecticut, Delaware, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nebraska, New York, New Jersey, New Mexico, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, and Tennessee. All places that suck. Like, so those are all New places. New Jersey, New where, York? Those are all places you need booze to get through the day. It's, but New York, there's a happy hour all the time. I think they just do it illegally. Well, I think the other article we were looking at said there's 11 states yeah. that have it banned. Alaska, Delaware, Hawaii, Indiana, Maine, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, Utah, Vermont, and Massachusetts. And that was 2015, right? This one is new. Oh, this is 2015. Yes, right. correct. So that one, I think, between, uh, I think the one I was looking at was late 2014. So think about, be, in like six months, people just like started abolishing that rule. Yeah. Well, like New York has always had happy hour. <laughs> yeah, right? It's been illegal happy hour, I guess, but... And now, too, not to jump ahead to our topic, but didn't we go to that one place in Utah and get $2 beer specials? The Porcupine on the way up to Snowbird? We did, sir. I think that might have been in no man's land because maybe not in Utah, not in any, it's not in any state. It's its own state, the Porcupine State. Just saying. What the hell is in your beer right now? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think that that's what it might have been. Well, again, we'll get into the weirdness of utah beer laws in a little bit but weirdness of utah period oh uh, yes the weirdness of utah speaking of porcupine yeah we were all fascinated by a porcupine. we were fascinated by a porcupine did we post that picture or that video um we we looked at it but we were like just for incrimination of being idiots yeah we're, we're not gonna post it and that was a rough night uh, a porcupine duh. that was just, pretty, yeah we were a mess that night we were pretty morons that night yes yeah, so we'll get again we'll get into utah in a little bit but uh, yeah, craziness about all these different states that have this puritanical nonsense laws. And what are these laws? I mean, again, they probably started in like 1790 and, oh, we can't have drink specials because Jebediah's got to run the plow and he just <laughs> plowed in over That's someone's That's why the weekend cow. is the weekend. You got to give him a rest. All right. Now it's time. For Frank's Bean for of the Week. Mario's Bean of the Week. <laughs> yes, this is actually Mario's Bean of the Week. Uh, Frank letting us down here, man. So 
understand Frank can take a week or two off. He's got to do his have. thing. Absolutely. Do your thing. So, Frank, we're going to fill in from the gondola uh, with Mario's Bean of the Week or Frank Mario's Bean of the Week <laughs> or somebody's Bean of the Week. But all I know is we're just listening to chill tunes thinking that we have something really good to tell you. Um, so I've looked up for recreational purposes. Um, in the future, I may be going to a place where there may be offered some goodies. And I'm thinking one of the ones that I saw was Agent Orange, which is the strain of the of the day that I've been looking at. So Agent Orange is um, it's kind of a well-balanced hybrid that combines a smooth orange velvet with the bold Jack the Ripper. Um, so don't let it scare you off. Don't let the name scare you off. But it's going to capture your senses. Uh, wonderful smells of orange, fresh-cut citrus fruit will entice you immediately. And um, the effects are uplifting, motivating, and uh, serving as a great mood, mood enhancer, uh, especially if you're feeling lethargic or depressed. So I picked this because... When I go on vacation, ski vacation, I hit it hard the first day. So I want something to really boost me up. So I want like a big day number two, good day number three. So I'm thinking like this will get me past like two, three days. Then I give in my rest day and then start all up again. Sounds like the way to go. So that's what I'm thinking. All right. So we're going to keep it in the gondola for a bit. Uh, first thing is Montel Williams is mm. debuting his own brand of medical marijuana. So Montel Williams was diagnosed 17 years ago with multiple sclerosis. Oh, really? And he initially turned to opioids to help with his symptoms. Uh, But unfortunately, he became addicted and had a horrific battle that left him damaged even today. So MS is the nerves, right? Yeah. It's, wow. Yeah. So he, uh, he shifted over to cannabis and he said it's made a tremendous difference in his life. And he's been an uh, you know an advocate for it. He's been trying to you know spread the the word and give people the truth information as a you know someone who's been using it and seeing the the positive effects. So now he's gone out and he uh, is starting his own brand. So this should be interesting to see you know as medical marijuana is spreading and more people are more states are legalizing it um, to see more people, more celebrities bigger companies starting to get their uh, their own brands out there. I think it's great because, you know, the more uh, exposure, the more research will be done and the more validation of it will be will be done too because MS being a nerve-focused, like, thing, like, they say, like, marijuana, medical marijuana is great for, like, people with seizures and, and like, nerve damage and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's kind of cool to see. Yeah. So very, very good news from... Uh, for Montel Williams and for medical marijuana. Next, uh, Brian. Now, this, this is a fun this is story. Baby. This is a fun story. So last week there so was you. a big snowstorm on the East Coast, and uh, up in Springfield, Massachusetts, the meteorologist was on the street, you know, showing the snow and reporting live. You guys got to see this video. When it's all of a sudden, awesome. a Sasquatch made of marijuana photobombed the uh, the video shoot. And you just see this guy just kind of creep in and dance around. And at first, the reporter didn't notice him. And then uh, <laughs> then I think he fell 
and just caused this little, you know, scene in the background <laughs> and caught her attention. It was awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty hysterical. And I think we posted it last week, but we'll have it up on the website, too. Uh, you had it on the Grammy Gram, but, yeah, it's on the link. And, uh, com. You can check it out there. You got to see it. It's pretty funny. It's really good, yeah. All right, so next we have the DEA drops claims from their website, uh, inaccurate claims about cannabis, that is. So um, there was an organization, Americans for Safe Access, that filed a legal petition calling for the DEA to remove uh, incorrect claims. So on December 5th, they filed it, and now they've just removed um, a lot of false claims. So some of the claims that they uh, removed were the statements, misleading statements, among which were uh, cannabis can lead to psychosis, lung cancer, and permanent cognitive damage. So, um, reefer madness. Yeah. So they deemed it violated some, uh, information quality act, which, you know, you could say is, um, the fake news act, maybe, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, basically that they were putting out this crap, uh, propaganda and, uh, I'm glad they have to remove it. So good to see things are getting cleaned up. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see that, you know, the truth is, is kind of, is coming out now, which, you know, there's been so much propaganda against cannabis. You know, and again, if it was unfair horrible, propaganda, unfair. If it, if it was horrible, if it had the effects that you know meth had or heroin, then it should have it should receive you yeah. know the negative attention, the negative you know press. But it's a lot of it's all bullshit. Well, unfortunately, like we're not able to actually sit down and talk with legitimate people about the negative effects of having too much cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. So if I have too many gummies, then I'm going to have, like, I'm going to be tripping balls. Like, somebody, be, we should ha- be having the conversation about that versus, oh, my God, if you have any, anybody in the, in the room is smoking cannabis, you're going to go reefer madness. No, that's not going to happen. Let's talk about what really does happen because these are real issues that people really should be talking about, and that, that's not getting done. And that's what they should be focusing on. And the fact that they're putting it out in as public information is ridiculous. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, it's propaganda. It's control of the, the people. And that's something that, you know, we're f- the Internet age is finally bringing that to an end. People are, are realizing the truth and getting real information and getting real exposure to it. So it's it's a good thing. You know, I think it's a positive thing. And, you know, some people, it's great for some people. It's not great for some other people. And it's just like alcohol. You know, alcohol is not going to be made illegal. Look what happened when it when it was. Yeah. Nothing but problems. You're making the gangsters rich is really all that's happening. Well, look, when happy hour is made illegal, right? When happy hour is made illegal. Jeez. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's crazy shit. So it's cool that, you know, we, we just want the truth. That's all, you know, if nothing else, we deserve the truth. So it's good to see that people are fighting for that and that we're just finding that out. You Tru- know? Truth will set you free. And the truth will set you free. So with that, we are going to break now into the new segment. Julian's Pout Look. Here's the broad look for the week. With a storm pushing through the northeast late this week, the skiing should be good for the weekend, although no new snow is on the horizon. Lots of snow coming for the west coast. Three storms are making their way through between now and early next week. They will be concentrated closer to the coast between Mammoth and Whistler. The temperature looks like it could be a little warm, so some of the lower elevations will be getting a little heavier snow and possibly even some rain. 
best bets for the upcoming week. Best bets for the West would be Mammoth and Tahoe, where the elevations are a little higher, so the threat of rain and wet snow is a little less concerning. The first snow will be coming Friday night into Saturday. The second round will be coming Sunday, but will be concentrated more to the north in places such as Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia. As that is happening Sunday, the first storm will have made its way east to the Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana region, with some possible snow stretching down to Utah. The third, and what looks like the largest of the three storms, will be hitting California on Monday, bringing over two feet by Tuesday morning. This past week's review, the East Coast has had some consistent snow the past week, creating high weekly snow totals of over four feet in Jay Peak, Sugarloaf, and Shawnee Peak. In a wider scope, Alyeska broke three feet in three days in the middle of this week. So that wraps up the pout look for the week. Thank you so much, Julian, and we look forward to next week's report. Time for a little ski news. That's what we do here at the podcast. We bring the truth. It may not be pretty all the time, but it's the truth. We don't have a lot of pretty news, but we have ski news. Yes. Ski news is ski news. So speaking of the truth, and, and not always a pleasant truth, the first off that we have today is um, sad news. Over in uh, Teen, is that how we're pronouncing it? Tignes, Tynes, it's part of the Three Valleys. So the Three Valleys is a bunch of resorts together. I, I think it's Teen is how it's pronounced. Teens? T-I-G-N-E, France. Um, All right. There was a, a bad apple like French fries and French dressing. You better off dead pronunciation. Always go to better off dead pronunciation. That is an option. Um, so unfortunately, there was uh, four snowboarders were killed in a huge avalanche there. Horrible. That buried them in a wall of snow and ice 100 yards wide at the popular <laughs> resort in the French Alps on Monday. So the dead include a 48-year-old father, 15-year-old son, 19-year-old half-brother, and 49-year-old ski instructor. So the two of them were alive when rescuers pulled them out but died soon afterwards. Horrible. And they said that, you know, it was it was within sight of the hotels and a short distance from the beginner standard green run. Um, locals were surprised that it hit on such a low slope, um, but it was apparently set off from skiers higher up, and the victims were all on foot carrying their snowboards. Um, That's so who knows if, you know, if, if they were strapped in, would that have helped them? Would it have made a difference? Yeah, you're like, I'm going back to the hotel. Let's let's go back. And we're just walking back and Yeah, they buried. weren't even in, like they weren't in the back country. They weren't anywhere that seemed dangerous. It's um, horrible. The avalanche risk was they said a three out of five. Um but yeah, it didn't seem like they were anywhere where they, they, they would have been in trouble. So it's a it's a horrible tragedy. It's unfortunate. Um Maybe I mean, it's a conspiracy. Just saying. <sighs> You know, people, you know, I mean, we try to, you know, people need to be educated, but if you're just going out there to have a chill day on the greens and blues, the last thing you're thinking about is an avalanche. Um, Everything we talked about, it doesn't matter how well prepared, how professional you are. People like professionals that have been doing this for years have gotten caught in avalanche. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just it's nature. This but, is what nature is. But this really seems like a wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. You know, incident. It's not like they were. Well, a freak incident too. Completely know? freak. Yeah. So, it's a horrible tragedy, and all you can really do is, you know, 
I guess be aware of your surroundings and, and get as much information as you can. But like I said, these people, it didn't seem like they were, you know, they weren't in the backcountry. They weren't anywhere that seemed overly dangerous. They were in resort. Um, it's very it's just sad. Horrible. But it's just sad. Yeah. yeah. But that this is just life. Pretty much, unfortunately. Live yeah. it up every day. Ski every day you can because you never know when uh, you're not going to have the chance to do it anymore. That's right. Got to cross it off your bucket list. Boom. That's right. Anyway, so keeping with the happy news, New Jersey man dies after Vermont snowboarding accident. So uh, this is really not that happy. Um, Killington Mountain. So this is our home mountain. So a lot of times we we focus on the news from there. But there was a guy that was snowboarding and went through trees, hit a tree without a helmet, and uh, he did not survive. So very, very sad kind of stuff. Yeah, the way it's weird the way it's worded too. It says he went off the trail and struck a tree. So I don't yeah. know if that means he in, out of control a- in accident. Control. Yeah, I don't know. but yeah, to be going through the trees and not having a helmet—that's just. Well, then oh, again, it might be news. on trail and then went off the into the trees. You know what I mean? Out of so, control, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty sad, but you know what? This is what makes you realize, as big or as small as the resort you go to, as you call your home mountain, stuff like this happens all the time. So, you might not get buried in an avalanche, but, you know, there's a lot of danger around, and you got to be careful. So, look out for your people that you're with. And make sure you look out for others. And that that's what you gotta do. Yeah. There was a guy in our, our ski house actually just a few weeks ago we break his arm going through the trees. Yeah, he's probably flying through the trees. Oof. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. Well that happens. That that's that's cool. That's a cool injury. You know. Is it? Yeah, you put a little band aid on it, you know, girls kiss it, that kind of thing. Hey, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh yeah, whatever. Nope, not cool at all. Oh I know. It's not my arm. I'm good. If it was my arm, I'd be freaking out. Yeah. All right. Next up, Jackson Hole. They uh they've had a very interesting week the past week. WTF, man. Yeah. So Jackson Hole, um, they had a massive storm that hit them last Tuesday, February the seventh. Um, Mother Nature unleashed heavy snow and powerful winds that ranged from fifty miles an hour to 90 miles an hour in Teton Village, 90. where uh, Jackson Hole Mountain Resort is. He said the gusts were so powerful, they crumpled 17 steel electric transmission towers. That's crazy. Many of which were situated along Wyoming Highway 390, the main drag into Teton Village. Um, so with those power outages, the whole village and the resort was down for five days. Damn. Well, we were in Snowbird, and uh, they were getting such high wind gusts. They were like, oh, they might reach 90 miles an hour plus, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was crazy at the top of the house. I mean, you just uh, boards and skis were just flying off the rack. Um, that was awesome. They closed the tram. Just, just going by themselves. It well, you, awesome. you saw the whole rack shaking. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, with 30 pairs of skis and boards, just the whole thing was shaking. Um, yeah, I couldn't imagine what that must have been like with all that stuff down. I mean, we were just there last year. And, you know, the amount of, you know, bustle and hustle going on and cars and people and everything to to see that place, to think about it being closed with all that snow. It just seems like post-apocalyptic. You know what I love about that? It makes you in makes you stand in awe of Mother Nature. 
It's fucking awesome. Yeah, we can build these fancy tram systems, these fancy gondolas, and Mother Nature can be like, yeah, bitch, no, no. Plink, plink, plink. Not today. It's awesome, man. Not today, yeah. So they were closed for five days, peak ski season. And I hope, you know, it's awe-inspiring. I don't mean it's awesome. I just, in terms of, like, if anybody was put out, but... I don't even know the the destruction or whatever it did, but that's crazy. Yeah, seventeen electric transmission towers were taken down. Ugh. Wow! But, but it was a cool article in um, uh, the Denver Post talking about how they were able to get it up and running again, and how the community rallied together to to get everything back up and running in only five days, which is really impressive. So, a great job to the uh, you know the. The crew at the mountain, all the volunteers, because uh, I'm sure people who are up there and out there on vacation are probably really thankful that they're able to get the mountain up and running again. Because if I was, if that was me, and I was out there on a trip, and all of a sudden the whole mountain was closed, I would be super pissed. <laughs> he would be thunder pissed. Like, right, what do I got to do? Thunder to get this mountain open. Tell me what I got to do. Who do I got to kill to make this mountain open? Let's do this. Hey. That's what I'm saying. You could hike up. You could. That's what I'm saying. Possibly caught in an avalanche. Hike, skin. It's kind of, you know, grab somebody on a, whatchamacallit, a zippy Snow cat. Snow cat. Yeah. Snow cat. Or just go to Grand Targhee, one or the other. If you're in a sco- snow cat, can you get caught in an avalanche? And how terrifying would that I be? I guess it depends. I'm sure if the avalanche is big enough, you could get caught in it. That would be pretty terrifying. That would be brutal, yeah. But would the snowcat ride it out a little bit, or would it just get buried and tumbled? I guess it depends maybe a little how both, it's facing. Yeah. It depends how it's facing, maybe? And I guess it depends if it can get air into the uh, the engine. You know, if it gets buried, then it can't get any air into the engine. It's enough snow to bury it. Then you're in trouble. But then you're in, like, a little cage and everything. You're no, like, it's the coffin. Are you? It's just a... Undrivable coffin. Yeah, you're like a Mars. You're just like I'm. I'm going out. I don't know. I don't know. I, nothing I really want to ever be involved in. But I think we need to dig into the whole snowcat experience. See how that that works. Oh, definitely. Yeah. How that plays out. All right. So uh, next we have Red Mountain successfully sticks it to the man. Oh yeah. Reaches ten million dollars on a crowdfunding goal. Praise the Lord. Um, so following the acquisition of Whistler by Vail Resorts, Red Mountain came out and said, we want to make sure we fund the power to highway to be protected. So, um, they came out with a crowdfunding campaign and they raised $10 million. So that's, uh, pretty damn awesome. And what they wound up doing with that was being able to afford their own existence for a while. Yeah, it was cool because I guess at first people were like, yeah, fight the ma- fight the power, own the mountain. But they weren't really sure if they were going to get the funding. It's but great to say it, but you got to put something up against it. People put their money up, which was awesome. Which yeah. is great. So they raised the $10 million they were looking for. That's just phase one. And they're eventually going to move into phase two in the fall. But with, with you know this phase one investment, investors who contributed will now receive an equity share in the ski area family season passes, and exclusive access to overnight huts, among other benefits. All right. How do we get in on that? Brian? That is pretty awesome. Damn it. We're going to have to wait till phase two. Can we get in phase one? I don't know. I think phase one's done. I think Damn they it. achieved their goal. So it's fantastic to see. So great job, Red Mountain. 
High flute and ski bumps can't get in on Facebook. Come on, man. Just saying. You know, I think our whole plan was if they were kind of getting down to the nitty gritty, like two days left and we need this much money, then we would have jumped in and like white knighted this whole thing. But we're going to advertise from every podcast. I mean, you know, I'm just saying. Just yeah, saying. we got to work out that deal with them. Inequity. Yeah. All right, next up. So this is kind of a bummer story. Uh, deep winter is a sign of climate change. So, you know, a lot of people are still climate change deniers. A lot of them are, in, are unfortunately in the White House right now. But they're saying that as great as this snow seems to be, it is not normal. And it's going to continue to not be normal in the face of unprecedented human-induced global warming. And as the temperatures are rising, it's just causing this increased variability in conditions. So Arctic sea ice is rapidly melting. Ocean temperatures are warming and climate models for future snowpack show shorter, drier winters in places like California and Colorado, which as a skier is kind of a problem. Um, Data has shown that the last three years have been warmer. Each one has been warmer than the last. And 2017 is continuing that with January being three and a half degrees warmer than average. So, so three and a half degrees warmer in the globe or in certain areas? Um, I don't think it actually said. I would assume that would have to be the Earth. I think that I think across all areas, yeah. E A R F, Earth. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, again, there's there's only so much we can do. Um. But you know, we should really be trying to take steps to to do whatever we can to reduce the effects of global warming. But with that being said. California, in parts, is uh, the main beneficiary of such snow. Snowmageddon. So they're saying at Mammoth right now, they're going to be open till at least the 4th of July. It's crazy, man. They currently have a 340-inch base at top and 178 inches at the main lodge. Boom. So they're already making the call that they're going to be open until at least the 4th of July. Baller shit. Which is awesome, yeah. Gets to be 90 degrees right now. They're still calling 4th of July. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Tahoe, what do we got with Tahoe? Tahoe rose three and a half feet since October. So they're saying um, all the snow, all the major work, all the huge storms have contributed to three and a half feet on Lake Tahoe that was really at a very low point in the lake's um, history. So now it's raised three and a half feet just because of all the snowpack, the snowfall that's gone on. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it was about a year and a half ago, but before last ski season, they were saying they were showing pictures of just how far down the lake was. I mean, it's probably it's got to be up at least seven feet from where it was at that point. Um, I mean, it was it was as bad as we've probably ever seen it in California at that point. And now things are are looking green again. I know my my sister who lives out there was saying she was in you know she lives in southern California, but in like the eastern part and areas that were just always desert that she always knew is desert now because they're getting a little bit of water are just turning green it's unbelievable like what a little bit of water does so it's uh it's it's great in some spots and in other spots because of all this (laughs) this snow which is turning to water um california's ancient infrastructure is starting to be tested and put to the limits so there's lake oroville 
which is up near, uh, I guess, at the end of the Sacramento River. Uh, they have levees and dams up there that are potentially overflowing, and they've evacuated 200,000 people. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's California's second largest reservoir, Lake Oroville, and it's the U.S.'s tallest dam. Which so I it's had, almost like they're expecting, like they're betting on it to blow. They are extremely concerned, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, they said, that, well, they said the dam is safe, but it's the hillside next to it that's the problem. They're expecting it to flood? Just or wrap what? around it, I guess. Well, if you look at, <clears throat> so the picture I saw of it was like the dam is there, mm-hmm. and it looks like they just built up like the levee in front of it. Mm-hmm. But like on the side of it, it looks like there's just like houses and stuff that are like at level with the water right now. Yeah. So it's going to flood everything. That's what they're saying could happen. Yeah. But it's not going to like dam break and like just not like like forcefully flood everything, but just like gradually flood. Yeah. They're saying, yeah, I mean, the picture you can see it just it's it's unbelievable how far like how high the water level is. And uh, it's really, yeah, the hillside they're saying around it could just. Yeah, I could see that. It could just create like almost like a new, a new river or like a water slide to the side. Yeah. Because it's so high. Wow. That's yeah. nuts. And yeah, just two years ago, there were, you know, they were concerned that of the, the massive drought they were having. Should have done the um, fortification of everything back then, right? Well, it's the thing. The dam is fortified. It's the area around it. You know, how do you fortify Earth? Yeah. So, oh, craziness. So that's what makes life interesting is all these, uh, seeing what Mother Nature is going to throw at us. Just when you think you got nature figured out, she throws you for a bang. That's what she does. man. Yep. All right. So on the mountain, what gives you the most time on the mountains? What job gives you the most time on the mountains, Brian? Number five. Uh, we're doing one to five, and five is the last. Uh, child care. So if you want to be, uh, you know, taking care of kids at the mountain or, you know, either in the, res- you know, with the lodges or ski lessons for kids, that's uh, that's one of the best ways. All right. Then four is being locally employed. I'm still working at ski shops or restaurants. Taco, taco or stand, man. Taco stand, burritos. Tacos and weed. Tacos and weed. Yeah, mad taco. <laughs> Number three. Bar staff. Boom. So you're working at a bar, mostly you're working in the afternoon and night, so you can get out there in the morning and get your tracks in. If you're a good bartender or a good barmaid, you can find work anywhere. Very true. Including C-Town. Uh, number two. Even Utah with their stupid beer laws. Goddamn stupid. I can't even consider that. Don't even, don't even taint We're it. We're almost there. <laughs> number two. Chalet host or mountain staff. I don't know where that fits in, but yeah, I guess mountain staff. Yeah, I mean, you know, you work at a hotel, and you, know, you only get to work a couple hours a day, and you can get a couple hours on the mountain, which is nice. I would imagine bar staff is above number two, but that's fine. I have a hard time with number three number two. Yeah. Number one, though. Oh, I agree. Number Wholeheartedly. One. Ski instructor. Yeah, it's the way to do it. So this article was put out by Basecamp Group, and you know, part of the reason why they put this article out is because they actually offer an instructor course, which is uh, if you want to get as much time as you can on the mountain, take this course, develop the skills you need, get certified, 
and get out there and be on the slopes as an instructor. So I think the highfalutin ski bomb instructor course is even above this course. Just saying. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the ideal way to go. You get your little <laughs> trust fund. It actually mentions that that you know um, there are other ways, and the first is to be a ski bum. Involves a trust fund or a cold van in a car park. Right. So that's the way we'd prefer to do it, except for the whole lack of trust fund thing. Well, lack of trust fund. That's sometimes you got to make your own trust fund. Lack of trust, lack of fund. Robbing a bank, winning the lottery. <laughs> get your own trust fund. I like that. I like right? that. So that about wraps up the ski news for the week. Uh, we're moving right into the main topic. Brian, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the topic this week, the book of skiing. Boom. Yes, Meaning? So it's a take on the Book of Mormon, which is the uh, satirical play by the good folks of Created South Park. Wow. So we're talking about our trip to Utah. Now, we didn't have the three-foot dumps that have been prevalent earlier this year. But we did have some epic runs, one sweet foot-plus powder day, and plenty of tips and experiences to share with all you folks, our listeners. Um, so while we had the tips and peaks and everything, so where did we go? We went to Snowbird to start, yep. and then we went to Park City mm-hmm. slash the canyons. Yep. So let's start with Snowbird. Well, do we want to start with Salt Lake City and our experience oh, there? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being a little... Remiss by forgetting our buddies in Salt Lake City. You're putting wife four in front of wife two, <laughs> which is not the Mormon way. Now, oh, okay, so let's go to Salt Lake. The, Brian, let's take us back to Salt Lake City. So, Salt Lake City. So, when you think of Salt Lake City, you think of Mormons, you think of the Utah Jazz, and you think of crackheads <sighs> at a liquor store. We stopped at a liquor store in Salt Lake City and I couldn't believe the number of degenerates that were out on a Tuesday afternoon. Holy shit, that was awesome. I mean, it was like every flavor and variety of uh, of derelict was rolling into that liquor store. Dude, that was my jam. I was ready to roll. I mean, there was this security guard. I mean, she was she was her head was on a swivel. She was working overtime. She's I she, love I hit the the parable. That security guard's coming with me. I've never seen a security guard at a liquor store have to be that active in the daytime. And let me clarify. She was that active, but she was so nice and very... She was on she, top of things. She was really nice, and she knew everybody. She thought, oh, no, you can't come in here. And, like, oh, it was great. That, that girl was great. Oh, that's Krusty Foot. He's fine. He comes in every day. <laughs> you know, like, it was just... Yeah, she's cool. It was strange. Yeah. And one weird thing about liquor stores, at least that particular one, there was nothing refrigerated. No. Like, none so, of the beers were refrigerated. So let's talk about fucked up Utah laws, because... If you, you have to go to a liquor store to get anything above 4%. Yes. And you go to a liquor store and to get beer, and there's nothing that is refrigerated. Yeah. It's very Messed strange. Up. And then when you go to... So after we left the liquor store, we were on our way up to Snowbird, and we stopped at a, a place along the way, right at the base of the Cottonwood Canyons, both of them, the large little Cottonwood and big Cottonwood. And it was called the Porcupine Pub and Grill. It's in a dynamite spot. We pop in there. We go and grab a couple beers. Um, beers on draft, so it had to be under 4%. That's a Utah law that anything on draft has to be under 4%. Killing me. Yes. So if you like IPAs, which are 5% or higher, you cannot get one on draft. We got, I forget whatever the beer was called. It was like $2. 
of beer, which was great. So we had one, and we're like, oh, should we have another round? Sure, let's have another round. Bartender's like, um, yeah, we can't serve you a second round unless you <laughs> order food. Unless so you're in the thing. They have, I guess they have, you know, since it is a known thing, they have this, like, $2 garlic bread that you can get just so you can order a second beer. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just ended. I want to see how it ended. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry. Focus, focus. Try it. I gotta close this window. <laughs> so, stop there. Had our beers. Went on our way up to. Wait, wait. So the, you have to buy food to keep drinking was weird to me. It was very weird, especially since we were already drinking four percent. So I'm already drinking four percent beer. And now you're saying I can't have another 4% beer. Yeah, and besides that, also if you order any sort of mixed drink or anything, they have the system where they have to, they can only measure you out one ounce of liquor. They put the little ring on the bottle, they pour it out, it limits the amount it pours. So there's no such thing as a heavy pour like you might get anywhere else on the entire planet. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very strict, it's very limiting. So if you're, you probably don't even want to bother ordering mixed drinks because it's, uh, it's overly complicated, and you're not going to get – it's just – it's not good. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just not good. It's just – it's they're treating you like babies, and that always drives me crazy when I'm treated like a child. So the only way to really go there is to get bottled bottled beverages, bottled beers. Yes. Um, that being said, the Porcupine Pub and Grill was a very nice place. Very classy, you know, very uh, – very ski resort chic. If you're on the way there, I definitely recommend popping in there, grabbing a drink, maybe a bite. Because um, it was great. It was a nice place. So on our way to Snowbird. So I, we love, get to Snowbird. I love the pine. Yes. So we get to Snowbird. Um, now, this was your first time there. So what did you think when we pulled up there? Was it, any, like, did, was it what you expected? Was it completely weird, different? No. So when we pulled up there, I thought I was in a Russian gulag. It definitely has a very... Which in, is about right. It's got a very uh, kind of 70s Russian Chernobyl Pripyat motif ambiance to it. Red Dawn. That's what I'm Red Dawn was Michigan. <laughs> but it seemed like Chernobyl was going to be in play. Yeah. it's uh, It's got a very concrete decor to the, uh, <laughs> to the place. Dude, it was like fucking Putin was like hanging out. It's uh, it's not a place you're gonna go to party. It's not a place where you're, you know, if there's a scene. You're da. really. All I gotta say is da. You're there to ski. You know, that's that's why you go to Snowbird. Um, it's. Uh, I tell you what, rightly so. That's what we. Were, so we were prepared f- for that, which is great because that's what we were expecting. Mm-hmm. We were expecting to go, ski, sleep, eat, ski, sleep, eat. That's that's all we want to do. Yeah, and that's the perfect place to do it because it, it is a hardcore mountain. It's a high elevation, and if uh, you're not ready, the mountain will will chew you up and spit you out. So, Well, I love it because we have our ski legs, and I tell you what, we were ready to go the next day, and our friends were just like, no, I'm pretty beat up. I'm like, no, no, come on, you're going out. Man, we, we didn't go out. We slept just to be able to go out the next day. Like, yeah, we crashed pretty early, though, that night, too. I think we were in bed by 9 o'clock. Uh, That's the, the earliest I've been in bed since I was, like, 7. 
Yeah, I mean the elevation, um, the and time it was good. change. I wasn't mad about it. I was like, I was happy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a. Uh, that's what that place does. So, yeah. So the first day we had great conditions. Um, there'd been a little bit of snow. It was blue skies. Uh, they had just opened the mineral basin tunnel. Oh, that was awesome. And we were able to. So we go through the tunnel, which if anyone's ever, you know hasn't been there, there's a uh, a kind of a moving walkway. And through this tunnel, and the sides are a museum of the area. So it just shows the history of, you know, it being a mining town and, you know, artifacts from, you know, the 1800s and, you know, showing them how they built this tunnel. Moving sidewalk. It's awesome. It's really neat. Yeah. And then it pops you out on the mineral basin side. It's kind of the backside of Snowbird, which gets a lot of the, the sun in the morning, which is nice. And everyone, you know, the ski instructors or the, the ski patrol was like, oh, you know, the conditions really aren't that great. And maybe for them it wasn't great. But as people from the East Coast were like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. Yeah. So we spent the whole morning pretty much lapping the uh, the mineral basin lift. Oh, the best is the first run. We're down under the lift. And, like, mm-hmm. people are looking at us. We're like, oh, my God, people are looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just, we're just pounding down. It was, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was fantastic. So one of our favorite runs on that side, we did the, um, it was called the Bookends Traverse. So you get off the lift and you kind of go on the Road to Provo part. Or, uh, Road to Provo? Or no, uh, Path to Paradise. Yeah. And you kind of, you can kind of choose where you want to drop into. You can Basically drop it along loop the around way. the bowl. Yeah, it loops around Pretty the bowl. Much. So the first couple times we kind of did the, uh, the, the Sooner we didn't stay on the traverse that long and kind of dropped in. But then the second day, we finally got around to getting to the bookends bowl, which is like all the way around. And that was pretty dynamite. Um, it's a long traverse, and there's some spots that get really sketchy. I mean, you have the cliff, like the wall on the right side, about two feet of area traversing on, and then a cliff and rocks on the left side. Maybe a little tiny net there on the one corner, but uh, it was it was definitely worth it to go all the way around to that bookends bowl. It was beautiful. It got a little bit of a it was a little bit of a shoot right there, and it was really steep, but it was uh, it was beautiful. A yeah. lot of fun. No, the best part of that traverse is the first day that we did it. Um, it was not catted out. So what they'll do <laughs> is they'll snow cat it out, and the first day we did it. There was no scat- snow catting out at all. So it was like maybe one or two ski links apart, and there were jumps. Just bumps, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Bumps. And you're going, it's like... It's like speed right. bumps. Yeah. <laughs> um, we saw a bunch of people that didn't know how to take bu- jumps or bumps, and they just like <laughs> flew into shit. It was great. It was a little sketchy, yeah. That's yeah. for sure. It was pretty terrifying. <laughs> but uh, the second day, was uh, they catted out better, but... It was still a little sketchy. There was a lot of people who went back there who probably shouldn't have been back there. Well, I here's noticed. a weird part. So you're going down the uh, traverse, and then you see the part where the snowcat hit the mountain up above and caused a little bit of an avalanche. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, okay, we have to go down and up. Like, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> like, the traverse was, was interesting. Let's put it that way. That is for sure. So that was awesome on the Mineral Basin side. And then on the front side, one of our favorites, um, we did the Cirque Traverse. Oh, Cirque was great. 
Hard so to find, though. It was hard to find, yeah. We almost missed it. Um, and I w- wish I could tell you the uh, correct way to get to it now, but we uh, were able to cut in there, and we dropped down, and that was a, that was a fun turn because you, as you take the, the Peruvian lift or the tram up, you see it there. You're like, wow, that's really steep. And then as you're, you get over to it, um, it was a little bit sketchy because there was all these rocks there. All right, so here's the, here's the mess up part is you say, I want to go over to the Cirque Traverse, and you look at it on the map and whatever, like, okay, let's go over. If you're on the back side, it's easier to get there because it's more marked. Mm-hmm. But if you're on the front side, you're like, it's not very well marked. So you're going through, and I'm jumping down looking like, okay, this is a little sketchy. I'm going to jump down into, like, the normal run of stuff and I'm going over rocks yeah there was a bunch of rocks there and the best part is I'm thinking in my head I'm like I rented and I have the insurance that's what put me at ease that's awesome a be- it's a beautiful thing <laughs> awesome um, yeah you had a, I think it was the regulator Johnson you kind of have to take that but then cut over right away it's um, not underneath. very well marked luckily though. we saw some people going to it yeah. And we knew that, you know, we saw them and like, oh, that must be the right way. And it was. So we uh we cut over and we dropped into there and that was uh it was a uh, it was interesting. It was fun. But it was I got to say steep. once we, once we get on there like so we were looking at like the shoots at the front. We're like, no, we're not going to do that. Went around to the middle. We're like, eh, maybe. <laughs> and then we dropped in after. You know, we just like, let's drop in. Yeah, we found a nice spot to drop in, and it was, uh, again, still plenty of snow on the ground. It wasn't, you know, by no means fresh tracks, but there was still tons of snow there. It's still a lot was, of fun. It was fun. Yeah. Still a lot of fun. That was one of, uh, those, those are probably our favorite runs on on the front and back of Snowbird. The Bookends Bowl and the uh, Cirque. Yeah, Cirque. I got to say that. Very awesome. Cirque. All right, so then we migrated over to Salt Lake. Um, well, so we're still in Snowbird. Um one of our favorite restaurants. Oh, restaurants. There we go. El Chinate. Yeah. That was the uh, the Mexican restaurant. The, that black, is the Blackbird. The Blackbird. That is in the Cliff Lodge at the bottom. Um, our waiter recommended to us this, um, this chicken dish. And it was like a spicy poblano cream sauce that it had. I forget the name of it, but it's on the backside of the menu. And it was dynamite. Great food. There's salsa there. They give you chips and salsa free. A little tip there. Dynamite salsa. I don't know if they make it fresh in there or if it's some sort of purchased salsa, but it was out of this world. The three of us ate at least two bowls of it um, and still ate our meals. We were pretty hungry. I we guess destroyed so. it, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. So, yeah, so that was Snowbird. Second day... Um, it was starting to warm up. Like it was getting, I think it was in the fifth, like 53 at the bottom. Yeah. On horrible, the second dude. day. Uh, snow was really heavy. Um, we had a pretty good day. We kind of stayed mostly in uh, the Gad Valley area. Uh, besides a couple of runs that we did, um, getting over to, uh, the bookends bowl, but we stayed a lot in the Gad Valley in, in that area. And it was almost too low at that point because it, yeah, like I said, the, the snow was getting a bit soft. Uh, so we kind of we didn't spend the whole day out there. I think we were off the mountain by by one thirty or two because we had to travel down to Park City, boom, which was the second leg of our 
of our tour. Of our journey. Yes. Um, Park City was good. The first day sucked. So Park <laughs> City, we got down there. Uh, the town was pretty nice. Walked around, very chic and posh. Um, and then the next day, it rained like a motherfucker. So we were yes. not happy. It rained all day on uh, the Friday that we were there. It wasn't heavy, but it was a steady drizzle the entire day. Yeah, it was pretty miserable. And what's sucked, it was funny, actually, because we took the bus into the town, and you looked up, so this is probably like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. You could count the number of people that were on the mountain. There was four people skiing on the mountain. It was just that bad. It was horrible. So... You know, so we went on the rain day. We went to Deer Valley, walked mm-hmm. around the town. Went to the Stein Erickson Lodge on top there. and Beautiful. And, checked out know. all the rich people and all their fancy nonsense over there. We had a lot of people judge us. I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't like to be judged. <laughs> but um, We were kind of judgeable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like to judge them back. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So we just kind of we cruised around there and, and checked out the scene. And then we're like, you know what? Screw this. We're going to High West to get lunch. So the crazy part is we walk out of there with a fistful of numbers of girls that are like, we want real guys that are not at the Stein Erickson. I'm just joking. Anyway, so we went out. We tried to go to the High West distillery for uh, the second time. No, no, no. I don't even want to like put that in. The, I, hate, I hate that place. Yeah, that place is probably the the best place to go in town, but we wouldn't know because we could we tried going there three times. It's allegedly the best place to go that you could never go to. Yeah. So if you can go to it, that's great. But not a common man will be able to go there. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, we tried going there again multiple times. One time, I mean, it was it was two o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday of a terrible ski day when no one skied. So I guess. Instead of skiing, everybody went to the High West Distillery because it was like a two-hour wait for us to get a table. Every time we went there, it was two, two-and-a-half-hour wait. Oh, it was a pain in the ass. And then, so, again, we're walking around town. We're checking things out. Not even to get, a, like, a drink. Yeah. We ended up going to, uh, I mean, just, you know, checking out the shops there. And, again, you mentioned it's a posh town. There was one store. They had Bomber Skis, the Bodie Miller brand, which never seen anywhere for sale. They're $2,400 skis. They had them there. They had these $1,600 sweaters you could buy, you know, the the Bogner jackets for almost $2,000. Of course. Yeah. It was, uh, it's just, it's the opposite of Snowbird. Snowbird is just like, this is hardcore. We only have hardcore shit here. Uh, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Where do you go? You go to Park City. Boom. That's there you where go. you go, and you can get your uh, ruffled Dumb and Dumber boots and ski outfits. You want to nerf the world, go to Park City. Yeah. So we ended up... <laughs> Kind of just, not really punting Friday, but just, you know, cruising around, checking things out. I know, Friday, out. I said, fuck you, Friday, because I was like, I am not skiing in the driven rain. Yeah, Friday sucked. But we did go out for a, uh, a dynamite dinner on Friday night. And I think that's kind of what started turning the tides for us. So I we went to a restaurant called Chimeo. And it is, uh, it was kind of interesting to see... What happened there? So we uh, we got a reservation. Okay. I will just preface this by saying I I would have probably still had the same after fact after the last meal that I did on the first meal if we didn't have the experience with the restaurant. 
I don't even know what those words meant that you just said. Boom. But we went there and we made a reservation and they're like, eight o'clock, be here, have your table. We get there at eight o'clock and they're like, oh, it's gonna be another hour wait. We're like, wait a minute, we were just at the bar, we just chugged our beers to get here on time to sit down. So like, oh, we're sorry, it's gonna be another hour. So we go somewhere else. They call us, we come back. There's six of us, we sit down. They come over, they're like, we are so sorry for what happened. Your meals are on the house. And we were like, whoa, that is unbelievable. So we got a bunch of different appetizers. We all had, you know, margaritas. I had, I think, no, you didn't have it. You had something else. I had the um, elk London broil, which was done perfectly. It was delicious. Excellent sides. What did you have? The, uh, was it the duck quesadillas? Yes. Duck quesadillas. Duck quesadillas. And how were they? It was freaking awesome. I love duck cooked right. So it turned out, I mean, these were probably $50, $45, plates that we had, plus margaritas, plus appetizers. And there were seven of us. They charged us $12. They charged us for one Moscow mule. And Moscow mule. All. Who ordered a Moscow mule in a goddamn Mexican restaurant? Just saying. Someone who will not be named ordered <laughs> that. Right. So I ended up getting this entire meal for $12. And but even if I didn't get it for free, that meal was awesome. It was, it was unbelievable. So big thank you to uh, Jameo. And if you are in Park City, please check that place out because their food is dynamite. All right. Outside of that, Chimeo is awesome. Excellent restaurant. But on the side of the building, they have the Banksy. They do have the Banksy there, yep. So if you know any art, any, like, Kitsch art, whatever, like modern art. Banksy is Banksy's the bomb, and they have an, a Banksy covered in plexiglass that's been shattered mm-hmm. right on the side of the building, and you can take your picture next to it. It's awesome. Yeah. So, so that was fantastic. And um, the next day, the uh, so that rain somehow overnight turned to snow, <sighs> and the next morning we woke up to 13 inches of fresh snow. And was not snow, was not rain at the top of the mountain from what we found out. Yes. It turned Boom. out that at the very, very, very high elevations, 9,000 and above. snow at top. What? What? So we, uh, we started out on the Park City side, but just, just because we were staying across the street and we traversed our way, took the gondola over to the canyon side. And this was both of our first times skiing uh, at canyons over there. And I got to say, it was a lot of fun. Canyons that was great. fun-ass mountain. Well, so when we first landed over there, um, after the, the gondolas, we landed in some awesome terrain. Of We had a lot of powder. And <laughs> there was a lot of trees, a lot of powder. Like, I don't know what happened, but there was a lot of shit that went down. It was great. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, there was uh, great tree runs over there. Um I'm trying to find the, uh, the name of the lifts we were on. Um, it was the uh, Dreamcatcher. So there was all these like these birch trees, which you know, being yeah. East Coast skiers, you're not really used to seeing anything like that. But uh, it was fantastic terrain. And like I said, they just got a foot of snow, so it was everybody was just having the There's best. There's nothing time. like skiing just, birch trees going like that's right. Just everyone was smiling. People were talking. It was just it was a dynamite experience. Um, so we ended up going over there and then we found our, 
we found our way into um, the middle area, the tombstone area. We have a really good barbecue at the bottom. Yeah. Highly recommend the barbecue. It was awesome. Um, and as we're going up the Tombstone Express, they're saying, hey, the 99 Express just opened. Boom. So we ended up taking that. That's gold that. right there. Gold. We skied over to that, and like I said, it just opened. Um, and that's, that's the lift that gets you to the top of canyons. And they call it that because the elevation is 9,990 feet. We took that up, and uh, there's a sign there that I think someone took a picture of the Wolf to Post. It said, double black only, no groomed terrain. Yeah. And they were not joking. You know, it was fucking There awesome. was so much snow. It had to be a foot and a half, but what probably. But st- what we still actually think about to this day is we should have hiked up and gone a little bit more. We should have. We could have, but we didn't, and I'm okay with that. We had... We had a fantastic run um, getting down there, and I know my legs were burning and destroyed after that. Um, there was just so much snow, and it was just so much fun. Um, got down, and that's when we went and had our barbecue down at the Tombstone Express because we actually earned that barbecue because of how hard we hit it. Dude, that whole area was awesome. Yeah. So that was my favorite uh, place of, I got to say, Top two or three of my entire life. It was a dynamite run. It was, was unbelievable. That was yeah. freaking awesome. Um, yeah, that, that was great. Yeah, that was a an epic run. And um, again, I wish you know, I wish we had a couple more days to explore the rest of that mountain because that canyons is a giant mountain. It's you know, giant. If you look at that canyons versus Park City, it's like two to one. And I think too, we really didn't get to the good part of Park City either. Um, we we kind of stayed on the one side. Yeah, we didn't get to the upper echelon, good park part of Park City. We never made it to the top part, the right side of part of, of canyons either. Yeah, that whole that whole like oh, Murdoch Peak, we never got over there. God yeah, damn it! Because again, looks... you only get so much time, and it takes a, it takes a a lot of time to get over there. From uh, if you start in Park City to traverse over, you know, with the um, the gondola, it just it takes time. Yeah. And uh, we couldn't make our way over there, but we pretty much were on the mountain at nine thirty due to the line we were in to get tickets, and uh, stopped at four. So we hit it as hard as we could. Yeah, um, no, and, we did good. And I'm looking forward to moving there, perhaps, and uh, being able to ski that as my home mountain. But Boom. we will see if that actually works out. If I actually apply for this stupid job that's there, do it, and man. I actually get it, do it. That's the plan. Got to do it. So Park City, that was a very fun time. Again, very different than Snowbird. Um, yeah, Snowbird, again, very hardcore, very, uh, you're there to ski. Park City, a lot of people are there just for the scene, to hang out, to be fancy, to live dumb and dumber-like. Uh, but the mountain, the canyon side especially, is a, a fantastic time. Boom. And I don't recommend ever getting mixed drinks in Utah. Stick to bottles. Uh, get your own bottle if you can. That's an even better way to go. Um, beers are mediocre uh, but a lot of great food stick to the trouts the elks the local stuff and you will not be disappointed (laughs) all right time for under the ropes so we've been talking about utah now throughout the uh, entire podcast so we've we're gonna go right back into utah so there's been a, a big story brewing the last 
month or so um, regarding the outdoor retailer, um, the massive trade show in Utah. So Outdoor Retailer now is asking other cities to start bidding to host its massive semi-annual trade show, suggesting that Salt Lake City could u- could lose it uh, next year. Wow, that's big. Yeah. Um, so what they're saying is because there's been a, a big controversy lately regarding um, public land, um, particularly the Bears Ears National Monument, which... Um, Former President Obama, it's so weird saying that, but yeah, former President Obama declared as uh, state land, as a you know national um, public land. It was a few million acres in Utah. I think it was last year. So now they're trying to take over this land, and the people are, are fighting back. And a lot of these different um, outdoor... Um, equipment companies, particularly Patagonia and Arcteric, are now pulling out of the outdoor retailer conference in protest. And they're saying that more companies could follow suit. So things are starting to fall apart a little bit in Utah um, because of, you know, what's been happening with this Bear Ears National Monument. And again, you know, this is the public's land. You know, this is this was declared public land, and that's been one of the features that America has always had and always celebrated. And these people are fighting to keep that public. And as outdoor enthusiasts, you know, we are completely all for that. We are supporting that, and we, you know, we think it's it should remain the way it is. And it's great to see people fighting it and fighting for what's right. And this could be a big blow to Salt Lake City because they were showing the numbers. I think it brings in like a billion dollars in revenue, the uh, the outdoor realer, retailer conventions. Oh, so wow. this is no it's joke. Huge amount. Mm-hmm. And you know, people, at first they could be like, "Oh, it's just a couple of hippies trying to you know get some free land, whatever." But no, this is when it comes down to money. Um, that's when these politicians really start listening and making sure they satisfy their constituents. Otherwise, they're going to get voted out best case scenario so it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out um again this is nowhere near being finalized or completed and a lot is going to happen over the next uh, couple weeks months and probably years but we're going to keep tabs on this and i know the uh, ceo of, of uh, black diamond posted an article in the salt lake tribune a few weeks ago talking about this and urging other companies to protest and to to pull out of the outdoor retailer convention so we'll see what happens um this could be big and it could be big too for whoever gets this um, yeah. convention now i mean two times you know twice a year a billion dollars in revenue that is extremely significant and i'm sure almost any other state would uh appreciate having that yeah it's pretty awesome mm-hmm all right, what do we got next? All right, so we got uh, Japan recycles old cell phones to make uh, medals. So uh, in the 2020 Olympics, uh, Japan is going to recycle a bunch of metal and uh, mobile phones um, just to recycle them and put them back into making Olympic medals. So if you win an Olympic medal, 
Today, it's like, hey, yeah, it's great. I want something that's incredible. Tomorrow, you'd be like, hey, that's great. That's part of somebody's cell phone. So um, while it's like, pretty cool, um, just want to like set the stage for this is what it's going to be. Well, you know what? If it's going from being completely wasted to extracting metals... It's awesome. It's a uh, it's a great way to recycle things, and it's funny. Like whenever they show the Olympics, they always show you know when they show the the metal recipients. It's cool how unique and different each one of them are. But I remember there was one year where the Olympics were almost all like a like a transparent like a lucite with a little bit of a border of gold, silver, or bronze. Really, I forget which year it was. It was like the late nineties or early two thousands. I'm like those bastards really cheaped out. Boom. You know, um, a lot of people, they even say they have their Olympic medals. And they're like, yeah, I put them in my closet or I put them, like, somewhere that you wouldn't think they're, like, prominently displayed. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty messed up, but it's that's that's life, you know? Hey, they're winners. They've got all kinds of other prizes and awards like, they got to show off. So. It's like, I, wanna, I don't got to show this shit off. Just boom. Yeah, like it's nothing. So next story. So there was a meeting this week between American President Donald Trump and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Uh-oh. And there is a, oh. there's a picture of, actually several pictures of Ivanka Trump. Ivanka. Look, looking sort of uh, lovingly or... She was licking lovingly? Gazing, gazing at uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. And, of course, the Internet hot. took that and ran wild with it. And some of these memes are pretty funny. Um, a, so the picture of Ivanka looking at Trudeau, and it says, Relationship goals. Find a woman who looks at you the way Ivanka Trump looks at Justin <laughs> Trudeau. And uh, someone else posted, Ivanka Trump looks at Justin Trudeau the way I look at pizza. Nice. And another one, Ivanka. Hey, babe, can you turn off the light? Jared Kushner, that's her husband, scowling. Why don't you just ask Justin Trudeau to turn off the lamp? Uh, so, yeah, this is a uh, this. We'll post the link to this. This is pretty funny. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, very interesting to see what's going down between the U.S. and Canada. Hopefully, we can keep get, things on the up and up. Get the boogie down. Yeah. All right. Next up, the people's fridge. The people's. Fridge. So the people's fridge, um, it frees excess food for anyone who needs it. So the idea is, if you need food, just come on, come on up to the people's fridge. Boom, you're in there. So, where did this start, Brian? Well, they're doing this in London right now, in Brixton, which is like the southern part of London, kind of a rough area, uh, but I think it's starting to be gentrified a little bit, and they're trying to tackle food poverty and food waste in in one project and there's been similar campaigns going on you know uh all over the rest of the world and it's nice because you know how often do you have extra food that you don't want to go to waste and this allows people to bring food down and uh you know people run this and it offers prepared and cooked foods from certified businesses um as well as fruits vegetables bread and unopened packaged foods um certain things are not allowed homemade food raw meat seafood open milk because they don't you know want to prevent spoilage um but this is a great opportunity to you know to do at least a little thing to help people who are less fortunate 
And it'd be nice to see if this gets, you know, I'm sure places in the U.S. do this, but um, considering how fat most of us are here in this country and how much extra food we have, I think this is a a great option and something that we should be doing all over the place. So, Oh, yeah. So next, Elon Musk. He was, uh, you know, we talk about Elon a lot on this podcast, and he was recently interviewed as part of the World Government Summit that was taking place in Dubai this past week. And Way to go, Bilderberg. So he is explaining why universal basic income will be a necessity because as a result of automation in the future. Uh, there's going to be fewer jobs that... He's explaining can, this to the elite of the elite? Pretty much. So there will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's the one who's been fighting AI and saying that we're all, gonna, <laughs> we're all in trouble because of it. But he's saying that if his assessment is correct, and that it will probably happen, um, that we're going to need some sort of basic in, uh, universal basic income uh, just <clears throat> to survive because people aren't going to have jobs anymore. I mean, uh, automation is going to become abundant. Everything will get very cheap, and he thinks it's going to be necessary. Um, the problem is going to be how are people going to have meaning in their lives because a lot of people derive meaning from their employment. So if there's no labor, what is your meaning? Do you feel useless? And he said, that is the bigger problem we're going to have to deal with. Is everybody going to have a podcast? Is everybody going to be skiing? Like, yeah. What is going to happen? Both. It's quite possible. So everybody has Facebook Live, and mm-hmm. they're just going to rant and rave. Yeah, that is very possible. Or everyone may get a bionic penis. So why don't you finish up that last story for us? Boom. So, going with bionic penis. So, bionic penis man lands $1 million dollars in a deal to become a porn star. So this is from an Indian gentleman. He has a bionic penis. Um, so the... Okay, Mohamed Abad hit the headlines. I'd say he was filled with 70,000 pounds of NHS after losing his member in a childhood accident. I cannot even try to you know, cut that up and and say it in pieces because it's so cut up already. He's kinda like a, a young John Wayne Bobbitt. Yeah, it's just it's I don't know how this happened. It's pretty great that he is actually wow, he has like a freaking dude. They don't, I can't, really I can't. Des- they don't really describe what's bionic about it. Okay, what I can't what I can't understand like this whole thing is, I can't look at him, and he's got like a freak head. I can't, I can't even do it. I can't even. Sure, you can. Yeah. So anyway, so he is gonna get his penis. It's all chopped up. It's like a mangled penis. Somebody's doing penis on the thing. Um, but anyway, so he's he has a bionic penis, which I don't understand why it's a bionic penis. They don't really describe what's so bionic about it. Yeah. Um. But they did say that he did spend a night with a specialist hooker who waived her fee so he could lose his virginity. Who didn't? Yeah. So who, who didn't do that? 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was a you know a supermarket employee. He was working seven days a week to make ends meet, and now he's uh, wow. got his big break. All he's got is a two thumbs. That's all he has. Yeah, I don't know what's so bionic about it, but it says he can uh, go for hours in the bedroom. So, well, apparently, ladies, I could talk for hours in the bedroom. I could walk I can around, sleep for hours in the bedroom. I could walk around just like holding my really hard penis for this. Like a long time. Yeah, I don't really quite understand. Apparently, there's a button he's got that he gets to press that inflates it or that's makes pretty it. fucked up. Yeah. So you know what? It's quite possible though that we may all get to see this on uh, on Bang Bros in the future because he is uh, he's going to be a star. Oh, he has two buttons to control his bionic penis. Q Kate Upton. Is there like lasers that come out of it? Like that's what I'm saying. Where's Kate? That's pretty much got to be the next step, right? Lasers. Uh, absolutely not. All I asked for is a bionic <laughs> penis with laser beams <laughs> shooting out oh, of it. Oh my goodness! Yes. So that's we've had a lot of weird, gross uh, sex stories to end the podcast the last few weeks. So you're welcome. That's that's a protest welcome, to people. Utah, right there. You're welcome. You want to have your crazy beer laws? We're gonna have our crazy sex stories yeah, to end the podcast. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. Please check us out at skibumpodcast.com, skibumpodcast at gmail.com, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. Find us on, uh, what is it called? Pinterest as highfalutins. And we will talk to you guys next week. Peace. See ya.